0: This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Joining me on today's program in the second and third segments of today's program is returning guest, Mr. Mark Jeftovic. Mark is the publisher of the Crypto Capitalist Letter. I'm going to get Mark's take on the current economy and get his take as to why cryptocurrencies have declined significantly with the rest of the market. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. If you've not yet requested the June special report, today is your last opportunity to do so. It is titled The Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. I'd be very glad to send you a complimentary copy of that report. All you need to do is visit requestyourreport.com. Again, the June special report is titled mid-year market update, what to consider now for your money, and I'd be glad to send you a complimentary copy of that report by visiting requestyourreport.com. Well, here on the program uh, in January, you can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com and uh, check out some of the past podcasts if you'd like. I suggested that the U.S. was likely in recession. Now, as things have played out here over the past five months or so, it seems that that is the direction that we find ourselves heading. In fact, the Atlanta Fed last week uh, revised their second quarter forecast for gross domestic product growth. Now, it's interesting how quickly and how frequently the forecast is revised. Uh, The Atlanta Fed came out now and suggested that um, there would be 0% 0% growth in the second quarter of this year, just last week. Uh, as recently as June 6, the Atlanta Fed said that we would see 0.9% growth. Uh, June 1, 1.3%. And May 27, the estimate was 1.9%. So, in the span of about three weeks or a little bit more, we have gone from a 1.9% growth rate, which is admittedly anemic, down to a 0% growth rate. So, It seems now that we may have been right here on the radio program about recession. And I certainly believe that we're headed in that direction. I'm also going to get Mark Jeftovic's take on this in the next segment. Now, Jamie Dimon, who is uh, a well-known financial leader, recently stated that we are going to face an economic hurricane. Those are strong words and he used the term economic hurricane, just nine days after he said, there were economic storm clouds on the horizon. And it seems that we are now headed in my view for stagflation and stagflation is defined or I would define stagflation as inflation coupled with economic contraction. So it seems that that is the direction that we find ourselves moving. Now, Maybe some of you are familiar with the name Bill Dudley. Bill Dudley is the former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, former vice chair of the Fed, and he has been pretty outspoken actually since he left the Fed. In June of 2020, Mr. Dudley admitted the Fed's massive intervention during the COVID crash had created, quote, a little bit of a moral hazard in the sense you're encouraging people to take on more debt. Just a few months after that, in October of 2020, Mr. Dudley said the Fed was now powerless and only Congress could save America now. That probably doesn't make many of you listeners feel a lot better. And in November of 2021, Dudley said this, the Fed should hope, the the hope and praise strategy the Fed was implementing was really not a strategy. He warned that if it waits, the economy could significantly overheat and require the Fed to jam on the brakes, and that would precipitate an early recession. So here we have Mr. Dudley, former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, former vice chair of the Fed, who said in November of last year that if the Fed doesn't act, The Fed will be forced to jam on the brakes that will likely precipitate an early recession. And now that seems to be exactly what is happening. Then in April of 2022, just five months after Mr. Dudley warned of an early recession, he said that financial conditions need to tighten. If this doesn't happen on its own, which seems unlikely, the Fed will have to shock markets to achieve the desired response which some of you may argue that that's what they're doing. I would argue they're not doing nearly enough to get inflation under control. And I believe that a hard landing is inevitable. I'll talk to Mark Jeftovic in the next couple segments as to what his take is, but all this talk about the Fed engineering a soft landing, I believe is more of a prayer than it is to be anything that is likely going to happen. Now, Dudley just wrote an op-ed for Bloomberg, and in it, essentially what Dudley said is the Fed is now cornered, and a hard landing for the economy is now inevitable. And I want to give you just a bit from his op-ed, and I'm quoting. This is, again, written by Mr. Dudley. If you're still holding out hope that the Federal Reserve will be able to engineer a soft landing in the U.S. economy, abandon it a recession is inevitable within the next 12 to 18 months. Now, I certainly would agree with Mr. Dudley that a recession is inevitable. However, uh, I believe it is here. Mr. Dudley continues in his op-ed saying, in their latest set of projections, Fed officials laid out a benign scenario in which the economy keeps growing at a moderate pace and unemployment increases only slightly even as the central bank bank raises interest rates significantly to get inflation under control. He said, while the Fed's forecasts have become more plausible over time, I see several reasons to expect a much harder landing. And then Mr. Dudley goes on to give three really compelling reasons. First, he said, persistent price increases have forced the Fed to shift its focus from supporting economic activity To pushing inflation back down. Now, of course, as all of our longtime listeners know, the Fed's idea of supporting economic activity is creating currency. I would argue that particular policy inflates a bubble and it doesn't really support economic activity. It arguably harms it over time. The second reason. Mr. Dudley says a recession is now inevitable, is that the new focus on price stability, in his words, will be relentless. He said Fed officials recognize that failing to bring inflation back down would be disastrous. Inflation expectations would likely become unanchored, necessitating even a bigger recession later. From a risk management perspective, better to act now, whatever the cost in terms of jobs and growth. Powell does not want to repeat the mistakes of the late 1960s and early 1970s. I would, again, argue that they've probably already repeated those mistakes, and it's probably too late to do anything about it. Mr. Dudley then said, third, the current economic expansion is uniquely vulnerable to a sudden stop. And I would argue based on the data that I gave you at the outset of this segment that we had economic contraction in the first quarter, according to the Atlanta Fed, and the second quarter's estimate is now zero. I would argue that perhaps we do not have economic expansion. However, Mr. Dudley said this economic expansion is uniquely vulnerable to a sudden stop, and he reasons this. He said in the short term payroll growth economic reopening and healthy balance sheets should support demand which several sec- which in several sectors exceeds supply so for example the two year cumulative supply shortage in the motor vehicle sector likely amounts to several million units as a result it'll take time and a considerable monetary policy tightening to reduce demand and for that to translate fully into weaker production of goods and services. I would suggest that demand is already diminishing. Now, ultimately, Dudley concludes by saying this, much like Wiley E. Coyote heading off a cliff, U.S. economy has plenty of momentum, but rapidly disappearing support and falling back to earth will not be a pleasant experience. Now, I happen to believe that as the economy weakens, that the Fed will likely reverse course and begin easing again. This is a forecast that I am repeating from a prior show, and I'm putting it out there again. I believe in the not too distant future, the Fed will reverse course and begin easing again. That will likely, in my view, at some point lead us or move us toward the crack-up boom that the Austrian economist Ludwig von Mises forecast. So what should you do? Well, I would encourage you to get some more information. If you're just joining me, I am making available one more week, this week only, the June special report. It is titled Mid-Year Market Update, what to consider now for your money. All you need to do to get your copy of that report is go to requestyourreport.com. The website again is requestyourreport.com. When you go there, I'd be very glad to send you a copy of the report as well as some bonus information that I know you'll find to be timely. So, again, the website, requestyourreport.com. I will return after these words with my special guest, Mr. Mark Jeftovic. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on today's program once again is returning guest, Mr. Mark Jeftovic. Mark, uh, is offering all the listeners a free newsletter. Uh, we'll learn more about his work in this segment. Uh, you can go to BombThrower.com and get more information or sign up for that newsletter. Uh, there's also a premium newsletter. Uh, he publishes the Crypto Capitalist Letter, and you can go to the CryptoCapitalist.com and learn more about the premium newsletter. And uh, Mark, welcome back to the program.
1: Hey Dennis, thanks for having me back.
0: So, Mark, this past week, uh, the Atlanta Fed has uh, revised second quarter growth estimates. I believe it was the fourth revision to 0% growth for the second quarter, combined with negative growth for the first quarter. That would technically put us in a recession. Uh, what's your take? Is
1: recession here? I think it is. I, I What you see happen a lot with the central bankers when they run it through the filter of Fed speak is recessions are always something... Um, that's going to be a soft landing, or in the rearview mirror, or they don't see one on the horizon. They try to soft pedal it as much as they can. It's rare uh, for it to be, you know, almost acknowledged this early in. But I think we've been in a recession for a while. I think people have been feeling it at the gas pump and in their pocketbooks all over the place. And it's just when you run you know, almost made up economic statistics through hedonic adjustments that you can sort of rationalize that the recession is some, uh, you know, theoretical possibility in the future or something that's just kind of happening right now. But we're in one. I think we've been in one for a while. I think it gets worse before it gets better. Mark, you mentioned
0: soft landing and uh, Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed, uh, I think said that at the same day, in fact, I think that the Atlanta Fed released their uh, revised growth or non-growth estimates to use that term. Uh, he said basically uh, that you know the Fed's going to engineer a soft landing here, and I guess I would define that as getting inflation under control without a recession. Um, you know is, is there any prayer that the, the the Fed can somehow
1: navigate out of the current situation? I don't think so. The Fed and central banks globally, the world over, are trapped uh, people who have been, you know, sort of outside the mainstream financial commentators, like people who don't get guest slots on CNBC and MSNBC. They've been saying for years the Fed has painted itself into a corner. Central banks the world over have painted themselves into a corner. They're trapped. They've blown up an everything bubble, and you can't taper a Ponzi. You can't have a soft landing out of an everything bubble and this is just the culmination of all of these flawed policies finally coming home to roost and the 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 real underlying premise that is flawed here is that the economy can be carefully tweaked and dialed and managed by this this council of wizened experts who know all the inputs and can engineer all the outputs. That's not the way the world works. There's too many moving parts to it. And all you really do when you try to adjust it and manage it and and massage out all the uh, undesirable outcomes is you create bigger problems. You create larger bubbles and then you engineer your way into a corner that you can't engineer your way out of. And that's where we are today. Uh, The Fed is trapped. They can't raise interest rates, even though they're trying. They can't lower interest rates without destroying the currency. Over in Europe, they haven't even moved yet, and they know they have to. And then in Japan, is a whole different story. The thing is just like the yen is imploding and their peg is breaking. It's just pandemonium across the board. So this is all self-induced. This is all you know, a product of their own uh, misguided philosophy that they can direct and control the global economy, which by its nature can't be managed and controlled.
0: Well, if you're just joining me, I'm chatting today with Mr. Mark Uh, Jeftovic. He's the publisher of the Crypto Capitalist Letter. And uh, Mark, before we continue that conversation, this might be a great time to talk a bit about your work, if you'd be so kind.
1: Sure. I mean, my day job is I'm co-founder and CEO of a tech company called EasyDNS out of Toronto. We're like a domain registrar and a web host. And oddly enough, being a small business owner, I consider us a small business compared to the VC funded unicorns. It's given me a unique perspective on on macroeconomics operating over the last 20 years. And Along that path, I became um, introduced to cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in 2013. So we started taking Bitcoin as a payment method, and we've been getting involved peripherally into the crypto business over the years, mainly in crypto naming, decentralized naming. And then over the COVID lockdowns and stuff, I started doubling down on my investment process and my thinking around investing, which is largely value-based, and I kept winding up looking at uh, cryptocurrency stocks, like crypto stocks, Bitcoin miners, and so I started allocating heavily into that sector and starting to write reports and research reports and coverage on this, which turned into the crypto capitalist letter, and we've been up and running for about a year and a half now, and it's going pretty good.
0: Terrific. Well, I would encourage the listeners to go to thecryptocapitalist.com to learn more. And uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, just a, just a moment ago that uh, you know that the, the yen is uh, in trouble, and, and you know when you look at the fact that the U.S. dollar index is strong, and, and you see mainstream news media report that we have a strong U.S. dollar. I think a lot of people forget that that compares the U.S. dollar largely to the euro and the yen. And, you know, aren't we really talking about kind of like the the best house in a bad neighborhood here when it comes to the strength of the U.S. dollar?
1: More like the uh, dirtiest clean shirt in the hamper, right? So all of these currencies are debasing themselves to be valueless over time. It's a race to the bottom, and the U.S. dollar, because of its you know somewhat privileged position as the U.S. world reserve currency for now, is the relative strength in the market. And so it still serves a safe haven function when the thing when the going gets tough. I've heard it called the dollar milkshake phenomena where people who are fleeing risk are going to wherever they perceive safety. And that for now is the U.S. dollar in relation to all the other currencies. So
0: let's get back to this 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 recession, Mark, uh, on, mm-hmm. a, on a severity standpoint, how do you see this recession playing out? Do you think it's going to be a deep
1: recession? Uh, What's your forecast? Well, if you look at the magnitude of the bubble that was blown up, the everything bubble, and then posit that any recession or pullback is going to be on the same order of magnitude as the bubble, things you know mean reversion is is what you hear a lot and not only do things mean revert they also overshoot the mean the both the upside and the downside so this could get really bad we could get into a really horrific drawdown in the markets and um uh, uh, liquidations, cascading liquidations, but even worse for everyday people, you're going to feel it at the pump. You're going to feel it in inflation. There's going to probably be um, job losses. It's it's It could get really, really bad. And um, I don't see a soft landing on the horizon, no matter which policy track the Fed and the other central banks decide to pursue.
0: Mark, you mentioned the everything bubble a couple times, so that would uh, I would infer from that that you're talking about stocks and real estate and and bonds. Uh, w- when you take a look at this coming recession, uh, just just based on you know some of the comments you've made, would you forecast that we'll likely see a decline in the value of assets while at the same time seeing you know consumer essentials be affected by
1: inflation? yeah we could very well be headed for a stagflationary recession depression whatever you want to call it we've had an everything bubble for at least 10 years and it really accelerated when covid hit now we're going to have an everything collapse so all of the liquid, all of the leverage is going to deleverage out of the system and at the same time um, you know the central bank says they're trying to tame inflation but the US hasn't even, the central bank hasn't even started to taper yet. I think they're supposed to taper this month, but the taper hasn't even really kicked in yet. Europe and Japan hasn't even started tapering yet. And then you add to that supply chain problems across the globe, that's not making things any easier. So yeah, you're going to see supplies go down, prices go up. And at the same time, your wealth effect just got thrown into reverse gear with a vengeance. So it's going to be getting hit from all sides.
0: So do you see from uh, just an investing perspective, and in the next segment, I want to get into cryptos and crypto businesses specifically and and, and get your take on that, yeah. g- given what's happened to cryptos. But do, do you see, uh, other than uh, maybe your, your area of expertise, cryptocurrencies, do you see any area where there's going to be a safe haven for investors to maybe park some money as we work through this deep recession or depression?
1: I don't know about safe anymore, but I think we're going to have some sector rotation where things that were euphemistically called unicorns on the on the ride up are going to see their value come back to you know, a more normalized valuation. And real things are going to trade at a premium. So that means commodities are going to probably hold up well. Consumer staples, anything with any, any businesses that have cash flow and pricing power, things that you have to buy, they should be able to adjust as best as, you know, better than most to this kind of new new reality, this new paradigm. But if you're running a Silicon Valley funded uh, unicorn that just has a lot of eyeballs and no revenues, you've got a big problem. And there's a lot of that out there. Well, my guest today is Mr. Mark
0: Jephtovic. He is the publisher of the Crypto Capitalist Letter. You can learn more about that premium newsletter at the cryptocapitalist.com. Uh, Mark also publishes a free newsletter, and you can learn more at bombthrower.com. I'll continue my conversation with Mark when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you are listening to RLA Radio. My guest on today's program is Mr. Mark Jeftovic. Mark is the publisher of the Crypto Capitalist Letter. You can learn more about that premium publication at the CryptoCapitalist.com. Mark is also offering the listeners today a free newsletter available at bombthrower.com. And uh, Mark, uh, for our listeners maybe that um, have heard the term cryptocurrency, but maybe they're not 100% certain as to what a cryptocurrency is, let's start with Cryptocurrencies 101 here. Can you give them a basic explanation?
1: We'll try. So it all began with... Bitcoin, which came out in 2000. And I think it was announced in 2008. And the first block was mined in 2009. And Bitcoin is a truly decentralized, neutral, non-state digital bearer asset, which means there's nobody in control that can, can, you know, change the the monetary policy of Bitcoin. It is governed by consensus. It is uh, secured by a mining network that is getting stronger every day, and it has no barriers to entry and is unseizable by governments or any third party. And that set off an entire revolution. And these these new digital assets are called cryptocurrencies. But then the term crypto, I think, has come to mean something a bit different. And I know I call my newsletter the crypto capitalist, but I've actually been thinking of renaming it the Bitcoin capitalist. But crypto, you have a lot of crypto projects that are not really decentralized and they're not really open public ledgers. They're more like startups that are building Organizations or ideas within within this new digital asset space, and this is great. Like the innovation is amazing, and and what the, the what they're doing to revolutionize fintech or financial technology is amazing. But there's a lot of grift, and there's a lot of centralized projects that are trying to pass themselves off as decentralized or the next Bitcoin. And and what I mean by that is, you'll have you'll have a company. That's created by a group of individuals and they'll create this new digital asset or a token and then they will like award themselves a chunk of the treasury and then open it up and sort of try to induce the outside world into seeing value into something that they've already amassed a large portion of. Nothing like that has happened in Bitcoin. Everyone started from square zero. If you wanted to be involved in Bitcoin, you just set up a computer and you started mining it or you started trading for it in later years. And so there there is this difference. And it's important because now, and we'll probably talk about this, I'm sure, with this meltdown in the markets that are including cryptos. A lot of this contagion that you're hearing about in the news that's rippling through the crypto markets are affecting one hundred percent exclusively some of these these crypto projects that are not truly decentralized, neutral digital bearer assets. they're They're affecting these companies that were almost loan platforms or you know in some extreme cases, outright ponzis. And that's where this contagion is rippling through. And um, a lot of people are pointing at that and saying, well, this this proves Bitcoin is a Ponzi. It does not. You just have to look at the underlying technology behind each project and understand what the differences are between them.
0: So lots of places I want to go, Mark, after that explanation. But let me just start with the fact that we have seen Bitcoin um, and other cryptocurrencies also. Uh, decline in value as priced in U.S. dollars. Um, Do you see that uh, Bitcoin in particular and maybe some other cryptos, and I'll let you specify to the extent you think it uh, makes sense and you maybe need to clarify, but do you see that as maybe stocks continue to unwind should that happen in real estate and this everything bubble deflates, do you see cryptos also following that, that same course or that same trajectory? Or do you think at some point that You know, while stocks go down, you see cryptos recover.
1: Well, right now we're in a massive deleveraging event that's affecting everything. And it isn't it wasn't surprising to me. I was warning readers for the months leading up to when the Fed said they were gonna, when they were threatening to hike rates, we were saying when that happens, if that happens, everything's gonna go down, cryptos included. And it reminds me of 2008, the global financial crisis, when I was a gold bug leading up to that. I still am to this day. I still have my my investments in gold and precious metals. But it surprised me then. But gold went down with everything else. It tanked hard. It came off like 50 60%. Some of the stocks even harder. But when you look at the charts of 2008, 2009, gold then decoupled. From the from the um, wider markets, so you had a massive deleveraging event then, and then gold, the sounder money out of everything, um, de- decoupled, and it took off like a rocket went up, going up, you know, five hundred percent over the next couple of years, and uh, that's including the stocks, and that's what I think is going to happen with with Bitcoin and some of the other cryptocurrencies is right now they're just caught in the downdraft of the complete system-wide deleveraging of the everything bubble. It's working out its own uh, you know toxic liquidity within it. And the great thing about crypto is and, and Bitcoin, there are no bailouts. There are no bailouts in Bitcoin and there are no bailouts in crypto and we've had these implosions before in isolated pockets of crypto, like the Mount Gox back in 2013 and so forth, the, the system just keeps on going and it's actually a testament to what can happen when you preach the philosophy of there should be no bailouts. Everyone Everyone covers their own risk, everyone takes their own chances, and everyone is on the hook for their own skin in the game. And we see that here. And that's a great thing. So now- we have the everything bubble turning into an everything collapse that's taking everything down. That set off some, some cascading liquidity events within uh, crypto, so the people who were using more marginally constructed uh, capital structures, um, you know, Luna vaporized 50 billion in three days and that's cascading through the system and nobody's asking for a bailout and everybody is taking their medicine and this is not going to kill Bitcoin. It's not going to kill cryptos as a sector. Everyone is going to take their medicine, and this thing is then, at some point, going to decouple from the wider markets. And when things start moving up again, or crypto will move up on its own for its own reasons, and when the wider markets turn, I think it will be among the leading sectors.
0: So let's talk specifically, Mark, and the time we have left about the crypto, crypto capitalist letter. Um, T- talk a bit about your work and uh, and what
1: what are you advising your readers at this point in time? Great. Right. So we started with a focus on crypto equities like Bitcoin stocks, publicly traded companies in the crypto space, and we still have that focus. We have a pretty streamlined portfolio. It's got ten names in it, and then a couple of ETFs. We don't trade in out a lot. We. We take our positions, and during moments like this, the big question is: Do you want to add more, or do you just want to hold through? And we don't try to pick intermediate tops and bottoms. So what we do do is, if something compelling comes along that is stronger than our weakest position, we may swap them out. We'll drop one, put one in, but we try to keep it, the the portfolio pretty concentrated and focused. And we say this shouldn't be your entire portfolio you take your entire equities exposure and take i've been saying 5 to 7% put that that's your crypto exposure and then you allocate that slice to this portfolio that we maintain now i'm i'm higher than that i'm i'm well higher than that because i have a lot of conviction but that's what we've been doing there and then lately with this meltdown i've been telling our readers it is now time, if you haven't done this already, to start getting direct exposure to Bitcoin. So, if you don't hold Bitcoin directly, this may be the last best chance on this pullback to start doing that. If you're a family office or a high net worth, put one percent into Bitcoin. If you're not, if you're uh, you know on a budget, working for a living, take five bucks down to the corner store, put it into a Bitcoin ATM. Put it in your wallet and do that every week or every month. Just start stacking some sats. Now is the time because this, what happens after this liquidity crunch is what I call the financial end game. That's when everything turns into central bank digital currencies. That's when capital controls start coming down the pipe. It's when everything gets really off the hook from here. And the last thing that we're starting to focus on in the letter is multiple streams of crypto income, because there are ways to, I've always said the best way to accumulate Bitcoin and crypto is to earn it. That's how I got almost all of my crypto hodl is I earned it through the business. So we're going to look at ways to earn Bitcoin, earn crypto and uh, keep it in crypto form or con- if it's not a Bitcoin, convert it into Bitcoin and just keep gradually building your stack.
0: So, Mark, we have just uh, time for one more question. Uh, you had mentioned once the liquidity crisis maybe, maybe passes at that point, you're looking for central bank issued digital currencies to become mainstream as well as uh, capital controls. Uh, in, in a minute and a half or so, could you describe uh, what you think that might look like?
1: Yeah, we think that we're headed for almost a, a world, a two-tier system where if you're if you're dependent on government entitlements like stimulus payments or food stamps or welfare or, or anything like that, that's going to be converted into a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. Uh, central bank digital currencies are going to be the rails for things like universal basic income If we're headed into a world with less jobs because of automation and tougher economic times, there's going to be UBI. And UBI will be done through central bank digital currencies and central bank digital currencies will become social credit systems. So no jab, no stimmy. Um, If you don't do what the system is pro and that may be changed on the fly. Well, today we don't want people to do this. Today we want people to do that. And you're gonna the money in your wallet, you can't even really call it money anymore. It'll be kind of like a digital script. And that is what you don't want to try. They're gonna be specially they're gonna be they're gonna be specifically constructed to preclude capital formation and wealth accumulation. And the way that you're gonna do that in the future in this world is by holding a neutral digital bearer asset like Bitcoin and having streams of income coming in that are not CBDCs.
0: Well, so many more things I'd like to chat with you about, but the clock says we have to quit right there. My guest today has been Mr. Mark Jeftovic. I'd encourage you to check out his free newsletter at bombthrower.com. His premium newsletter, uh, The Crypto Capitalist Letter, you can get more information at thecryptocapitalist.com. Mark, thanks for joining us today and I would love to have you back down the road. Anytime, Dennis. Thanks. We will return after these words. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Thanks again to Mr. Mark Jeftovic for joining me on today's program. If you're just tuning in, this is the last week to take advantage of your opportunity to get the June special report. The June special report is titled Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. If you'd like to get that report, as well as some bonus information, all you need to do is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. The website, again, requestyourreport.com. I'll be very glad to send you the mid-year market update, as well as some bonus information. So, again, go to requestyourreport.com. Now, many of you who are listening are probably old enough to remember what happened in 2000, 2001, and 2002. It is commonly known now as the tech stock wreck or the tech stock collapse. As many companies that never made a profit during that time frame saw stock prices collapse. Well, we're now seeing tech stock collapse take two. And I wanna talk a little bit about what's happening in the real estate sector. Now, the, the, the most recent real estate news out there is not good. Uh, May housing starts were down from April, and April year over year were down by almost 27%. So we're starting to see signs that the housing market may follow the stock market lower. However, when you take a look at real estate tech, when you look at companies like Zillow and Redfin and Compass and Opendoor, you have trouble that is brewing. Now, Wolf Richter of Wolf Street wrote about this. He said that the problem is that companies that have not made a profit have seen their, their stocks collapse by 80 to 90 percent. he's referring to these real estate tech companies. I'm going to give you a little bit from an article that he recently wrote. He wrote, quote, they cannot raise more money, referring to these companies, but their operations were never designed to make money in the first place. Their business model relied on burning cash and the whole thing was designed from the get-go to use homemade growth metrics to bamboozle investors into buying the stock and pump up the shares. Then the companies, based on their high share price, could issue more shares and raise more money and feed their cash burn machine. Their plan was to fake it Until they could make it. But now he said their shares are down 80 to 90%. They can't fake it any longer and they can't sell more shares because nobody wants to buy them. And they're going to run out of cash and they won't be able to cover their expenses. And when they cease to exist, their shares will go to zero unless they can get the cash outflows under control. To put it simply, Unless these companies can now suddenly turn a profit, they are facing inevitable collapse. Now, if you you go back and take a look at these companies, one of these companies is Redfin. Now, the CEO of Redfin is a guy by the name of Glenn Kelman. He recently referred to Redfin as the Amazon of real estate. Now, Redfin announced recently, just last week, they would lay off staff because quote it's time to make money they released a statement it said this we're losing many good people today but in order for the rest to want to stay we have to increase redfin's value and to increase our value we have to make money imagine that we're going back to fundamental economics we're going back to the principle that businesses have to make money to exist. Well, Mr. Richter wrote about this. He said, apparently referring to Redfin, there had been some type of come to Jesus meeting at the top with May demand 17% below percent below expectations and not enough work for our agents and support staff. And the decline of revenues means less money for headquarters projects. Certainly mortgage rates going up have not helped either. Now, Redfin has been a publicly traded company since 2017. 13 years prior to that, it existed as a private company. So, this company has been around literally since 2004. It's been around for almost 18 years. And now the company decides it's time to think about making money. Now, if you look at a stock chart of Redfin, if you go back to May of 2020, you see the share price was about $10 a share. Ran up to about $100 a share, and now it's back down to about $8 a share, as I am recording this. Compass. They're eliminating 10% of its staff. Compass is shutting down its title and escrow company. It's following the same path as Redfin. Zillow. Has not made any money either. Zillow's shares are down. You can look at all these company stock charts and they look very bubble like. They inflated and they've deflated just as quickly. That's one thing we learn about bubbles, they tend to be symmetrical. Open Door Technologies is a home flipping company. And if you take a look at that particular company, uh, it's following the same path as Redfin, Compass, and Zillow. So what's really interesting is that history is repeating itself. Companies do need to make money to stay in business, and companies do need to make money to have their stock be viable long term. What we've seen, as I talked about with Mark Jeftovic, is really an everything bubble. And now we're seeing that bubble start to unwind. And I would invite you, if you've not yet done so, to get a copy of my June special report titled Mid-Year Market Update, What to Consider Now for Your Money. All you need to do to request your copy of that report is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. The website, again, requestyourreport.com. When you go there, let me know where to mail you the report. You'll get that as well as some bonus information. You'll get a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Best-Selling Book that outlines a retirement planning strategy for this particular environment, as well as some other information. So again, requestyourreport.com is the website. That's my program for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week.